are listening to the Devils Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to this episode of Devils Talking Padres. Bobby, return to the intro for Devils Talking Padres. You know, it's been a while since we used that. I think we used it in one of our first episodes, and it just felt like we couldn't use it considering that we both weren't at Arizona State. But now we're both back, and we had that scheduled podcast uh, this week as opposed to the emergency for an junior podcast, and I really just rushed to get it out. The intro's back. What did you think? Um, I love it. It's nice to hear that again. And it, it just brings back the memories from, I mean, last from last time we had it. So love to hear that. And always great to be back on DTP. Yep. So let's get into it. We got a whole lot of stuff to talk about Padres related. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, February 22nd. So in just a couple of days, Padres spring training games will start. I guess we'll get a little bit of some predictions. But big news today was the press conference for Fernando Tatis Jr of him signing the contract. It was long. It was around 40 minutes. Preller gave a very long speech in the beginning. Peter Tatis Jr. gave his speech afterwards, and there was a ton of questions, which, of course, sparked some you know, interesting stuff amongst Padres' Twitter. But here are the details of the contract as they were finally released. As we figured, the first four years were going to be arbitration-eligible years, so he wasn't going to get paid as much. He's only making $1 million in 2021. Don't feel bad for him. He's making a ton of money in promotions and in deals with Gatorade, BMW, Under Armour. So that, I want to feel bad for him, but Potters are getting off very cheap in 2021, 5 million in 2022, 7 in 2023, 11 million in 2024, which would have been his final year before entering free agency. He's going to make 20 million in both 2025 and 2026. 25 million in both 2027 and 2028. And then from 2029 to 2034, so the last six years of his contract, he's going to make $36 million in all six years of his deal. So, what do you make of that, Bobby? Hey, Don, that's absolutely insane that he'll be making that much. But it's Fernando Tatis Jr. He's one of the best players in baseball, the most exciting player in baseball. And I just can't wait to see him be a Padre for pretty much his whole entire career. Um, his pe- press conference today was cool to listen to. Um, and it's just, he's just all for the people. He loves San Diego. He loves the culture that we're, tr- that we're building here and still are building. And he just wants to be here for his entire career. And I love that. Yeah. And they were talking, they called it the statue contract, which I thought was really fascinating. And, you know, you don't want to jump the gun on it, but I, I sure hope that he will be able to continue the path that he set himself on in his two very short seasons in the major leagues. And so that hopefully we get out of the statue and uh, Bernie Wilson, friend of ours at East Village Times and the Associated Press San Diego sports writer asked him, what statue would you want if you were to choose? Uh, Would it be base running? Would it be hitting? Would it be fielding? I think it just kind of embodies what Fernando Tatis Jr. has done. He's just could do it all. And it's incredible. Thankfully, he's going to be a Padre, like you said, for the next 14 years. And I know that we won't take it for granted. Just got to hope that he stays healthy because that is really the only thing that seems like it's going to keep this contract from being a failure. So he also said some other stuff during the press conference. And there was a lot of talk about the deal that he made that is going to cost him millions of dollars. And uh, he couldn't go into the financial details because of that. 
And so people were getting very frustrated for the writers for asking those questions, although it's part of the story, it's part of the contract. So the the writers were in the right position to ask about that. And then just the, the relationship that it felt like he had with AJ Preller, talking about when they met in 2014, back when Preller was first with the Rangers and then shortly thereafter signed a deal to become the Padres general manager and talking about scouting him in the 2015-2016 window and then trading for him and then telling him, hey, man, you're, you're, this trade is for you. Not to get rid of James Shields, not to bring in Eric Johnson, not to get rid of cash. This trade is for you. And just seeing the trust that they built, I thought was really important. What did you make of that? Yeah, Dom, it's completely insane that he's he's come up with us. And Padres always joke about James Shields, how bad he was. But, I mean, he really wasn't a lot of the time. It was just one of his last starts was absolutely awful. And then we sent him. Uh, he was the main piece in it for Tatis, of course. And we got a young Tatis. And when he when he first came to the Padres, everyone knew what he would be. And not that he'd be this good already, but we knew we knew about him. We knew it was Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the best guys in the White Sox farm system. And he came up pretty quick. Of course, we all know the meeting with Ian Kingsler, Hosmer, and Machado. And when they said, we need this guy on the opening day roster. And when they, when they met, they got him, they got Paddock up there. And it's just so cool to see how much he's grown already in these few years. And he's become a phenomenal player, a phenomenal person. And he, I just can't wait to see him grow as a player. Yeah, the player, Fender Natatis Jr., isn't just getting paid $340 million. It's also the person, like you mentioned. So, like we mentioned earlier, spring training starts this upcoming week. What are some storylines you're looking forward to going into spring training? Because obviously the game results don't really matter that much. Although there is some correlation between teams that play well in spring training and teams that end up doing well in the regular season. The Potters were certainly a bit strong case of that last year, but... What are you looking forward to in Padres 2021 spring training? Yeah, so, yeah, spring training, I can't wait to see us play. The main thing I'm excited to look at, because most of our positions are set, the one that I'm most excited for is second base. Obviously, that's what all Padres fans are looking at. But I think right now it'll be Jake Cronworth who has the job. But Hayson Kim will also be up there, and he'll have to work for it, because right now – Cronenworth has the upper hand and that'll be a great battle to see during spring training. I expect Cronenworth to keep the spot, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know we talked about this in the last podcast, but there could be some kind of platoon there uh, against lefty or righty pitchers, but that second base job will be the main position battle for the Padres. I'm excited to see our pitching staff, of course, um, see who's going to fill out the, the back end of the back end of the bullpen, seeing who's going to be our closer uh, and just see the health of our guys. Hopefully, Lamette is ready to pitch. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, Lamette, if he's healthy, that we'll just see him out there and just see Snell, see Darvish, see the, see the new Padres. I know it's, it's we made a lot of additions to our team from last year, so it'll be fun to see this team back in spring training and see the guys go out there and work. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the pitchers in a little bit because that is something that we will bring up. But I agree, second base certainly an interesting spot, and you mentioned it that Jake Cronenworth certainly has the upper hand. Uh, Padres' Twitter account posted a video of Hassan Kim hitting. Still looks like he's got that leg kick. That certainly has been a cause for concern among some Padres fans, given that hitters that come from Korea generally don't hit the fastball as well, and the leg kick is normally a big part of that because the pitchers in the KBO tend to throw anywhere from 88 to 90 miles an hour, and obviously everyone here knows that that's just not how hard pitchers throw in Major League Baseball. So the velocity adjustment on fastballs is going to be 
a key thing to look for in Hossel and Kim. And we'll see if the leg kick isn't going to impair that. But I'm also really intrigued to see how the catching position turns out because I think it's pretty clear that Austin Nola is going to be the primary catcher for the San Diego Padres. But as we all know, Padres brought in Victor Caratini from the Cubs in the U Darvish trade. He's been U Darvish's primary catcher while U Darvish was a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. So we know he's going to catch U Darvish, but how much else is he going to work in terms of catching? Is he going to split three and two in terms of catching? You know, like they or are they going to split off every other day? One catches, and of course that lines up with U Darvish's start. Is Luis Campusano, who we got on the last EBT podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out with Keith Law. Law said that Campusano's legal situation is totally done and he's he's ready to go. And that is huge news. So is Campusano going to come in and possibly make the opening day roster? How well is he going to perform? Is that going to be a situation where all of a sudden the Potters have three catchers on the roster? Because that would certainly make things interesting. So the catching situation, obviously it's been a headline over the past couple of seasons for the San Diego Padres, but those names that were in the conversation are no longer any. Austin Hedges traded to Cleveland, Francisco Mejia traded to Tampa Bay, Luis Torrens traded to Seattle. So a lot of new faces and at the catcher position, uh, obviously Nola was the guy uh, in the final month. And then the playoffs last year, Luis Campusano played in two games, one in the postseason and one game against the Oakland A's where he hit a home run and then got hurt, went on the injured list and then didn't pop up until the playoffs again. So catcher, really fascinating. I don't know what's going to go down there. Like I said, Nola has the advantage, but those two guys can certainly make things interesting because they're very talented too. What do you make of the catching situation? Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's uncommon for teams to hold three catchers, so I don't expect to have Campusano on the opening day roster, but I do like having Caratini, of course, with you, Darvish. It'll, it'll make Darvish more comfortable. And, of course, Nola will, will be catching him, at, of course, during workouts and stuff, so he won't just be – like, he won't just never th- throw to him, of course. But Caratini, they have that chemistry, so I'm excited to see that and see him be- behind the plate when, when Darvish is up on the mound. So – I, I would love to see Campusano up at some point. Of I expect him to be, of course. It all depends on who's on who's hot, who's who's healthy, or whatever. But Campusano, I would love to see him up. But I'm excited to see Nola, and of course, he was our main catcher, and I expect him to be our main catcher for the bulk of this season. Yeah, it, it's gonna be fascinating. Like you said, I don't really think there's any more other job competitions out there, with the exception of the bullpen, but every team's bullpen has people fighting for spots. So just naturally how bullpens work in baseball. And it certainly is not an exception for the San Diego Padres. And so the rotation coming into the year, it's fairly obvious. There's five clear favorites, a couple of younger guys who could certainly make things interesting, but the five, you Darvish, Blake Snell, the two newcomers are the clear top guys. Denelson Lamette, who obviously finished in fourth place for NL Sun award in 2020 had an arm issue but he seems according to his press conference that he had earlier this week he thinks he's going to be perfectly fine going into the season and then joe musgrove potters acquired him had a bit of an up and down career like we had mentioned but much better in the last month of 2020 potters of course went out and got him and the fifth guy chris paddock who 
also at a press conference earlier this week and was talking about how his fastball, he worked on that a lot this offseason and how he expects to be better going into the 2021 season. So what do you make of the Padres rotation? Do you see any guys climbing up in that rotation? Uh, Denelson Lamette's health. He said he's healthy. He said that his arm going out instead of pitching another 20 innings could have been a blessing in disguise for him, even though, of course, I don't think Potter fans want to hear that because Potter fans feel like they could have beat the Dodgers in the playoffs had he been healthy. And then you Darvish, he hasn't had much to say, talk about Hideo Nomo. There's been a lot going on with pitchers and catchers reporting last week and them having the press conferences. More Potters players will have them this week, but what have you made of what they've said so far? Yeah, I mean, for the rotation, of course, if they can stay healthy, some guys, or a lot of those guys have had injury concerns throughout their career. If they can stay healthy, we'll, of course, have one of the top rotations in baseball. And one thing I'm intrigued to see is uh, who will be the opening day starter, of course, Darvish, Snell, or Lamette. Any of those three guys could be it. I expect it to be Snell. It's kind of up in the air on who it could be. Um, but Musgrove, Paddock at the four and five. One thing that I'm excited to see is if we'll carry a six-man rotation with Adrian Marajon. Um, I don't expect to, but there's been some talk about it. Uh, I want to hear what you think in a sec on that. But if we carry Marajon, that would give him some minutes because we've a, he's a young pitcher. I'd love to see him get innings in there. If not, maybe he could be a long reliever from the bullpen, which I expect. But he's one guy where we have a clogged rotation with five guys, and there's been talk about doing six-man. So, so if he gets in there, that could be some valuable innings for him. I think he and Ryan Weathers seem like the two favorites. If there is a six-man rotation to take that spot, which once again is wild that he's now passed Mackenzie Gore in terms of being ready to go into the major leagues. And expectations for Mackenzie Gore is that he'll make some starts for the Potters in 2021 at some point. The question is whether or not he'll be ready at the start of the season. And Dennis Lynn wrote an article a couple of weeks ago saying that they expect Gore to start the season in AAA El Paso. So very interesting. I, I'm i I'm all for the six-man rotation. Uh, these guys got to be bought in as a team to help themselves grow from the 60-game season last year into the full 162-game season. And I think the six-man rotation helps with that, at least for the first half of the season. Then once they get acclimated, they can, they can start to get treated like what they would in a normal situation, a normal season. I think that is certainly something that Potter fans absolutely have to look forward to. And that'll be an interesting thing. How many guys are going to be starting games in spring training? Because you're going to see, are these guys going to have the five days off or the four days off like they normally would have? How many prospects are going to be getting starts like Weathers, Murray Home, Gore, those guys? How much are they going to be starting? We don't know. It's another thing to watch out for. And that's another reason that the spring training is going to be absolutely awesome, even though the fan experience is just not going to be the same. It's not going to stop me from going to games. I can't imagine it's going to stop you from going to games either with us both being out here in Phoenix. So it it's going to be fascinating. We'll see. You kind of mentioned it a little bit, but um, just between Marajon and Weathers, I expect only one of those guys to be on the opening day roster. Of course, injuries, that'll change a lot of things throughout the season, but Weathers was somewhat of a fan favorite in his few innings in the playoffs. So I don't expect him to be on the opening day roster, but I'd love to see Marajon up there, especially if, I mean, I don't expect a bunch of our guys to go seven, eight, nine innings this year. Of course, that never really happens a lot, but if I would love to see Marajon as a long reliever, um, if, if not the sixth starter, I'd love to see him as a long reliever. I kind of mentioned that already, but 
just wanted to put, say that again, that he, he can give some really valuable innings from say the third to sixth inning, if needed, if one of our guys goes down early, especially with an injury, but yeah, Moran is one guy this year that I'm most excited to watch pitch and just play of anyone on the, on the San Diego team. And those are two guys that are both, like you said, only one of them you expect to make the opening year roster. I think that's a fair assessment, but they'll both get a solid amount of innings in the season because they, I, I don't want to say they survived the, the past, but they, they survived all the trades that AJ Preller made this offseason and last trade deadline. So it's clear that Preller thinks those are guys that can absolutely help the major league team whether it's this year or next year or even further down the line, those are guys that he decided to keep over guys like Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, trying to think of some other pitchers, Cal Quantrill. So those guys, they, they, they passed the test, they survived it, and now they, they get to be on one of the best teams in all of baseball. Uh, another thing, let's talk about potential opening day lineups. A very controversial topic, very popular topic from last season was who should be hitting leadoff. It started off with Fernando Tatis Jr. I was a very strong proponent before the season started that he should not be hitting leadoff. And then as soon as he moved out of the leadoff spot, the lineup absolutely took off. Trent Grisham was a fantastic hitter in that leadoff spot. Do you think Grisham could be hitting leadoff? Do you think Tatis could move back to it? Or do you think there's uh, some other candidates that could move to the leadoff spot? I would much rather see Grisham bat leadoff. The thing is, if there's a lefty pitcher that could change a lot of things, I would much rather have Grisham bat lead off most of the time uh, and have to tease at second because that top four in our lineup depends on how it is. But a Grisham to tease Machado Hosmer lineup is absolutely scary for pitchers and opposing teams. So I would love to see Grisham bat lead off um, against lefties. That could change a lot of things. That could put fam up there at lead off. Uh, depends how he does throughout the season. Uh, I forgot to, meant to ask you about him at one point, but we'll get to that soon. I expect to see Grisham bat lead off for most of it. Depends what the pitching matchups look like, but I would just, I love to tease. Of course we all do, but I would much rather see him bat second in the lineup, just right behind leadoff and right ahead of Machado, just to get that opening guy on base and then let the drive him in. It also opens up the lineup a little bit more with lefty, right, right, lefty, assuming that Eric Hosmer continues to bat clean up and you could go Tommy Pham. It just goes down the line, right? I agree with you. I, I think Grisham should stay in that leadoff spot. A lot of people were talking about how Jake Carter should be the leadoff hitter. And I wouldn't say that's also a bad option. I, I love me some Jake Cronenworth. There is no doubt that against lefties, he was terrible last year. And I don't expect him to see a lot of playing time against lefties, given the addition of Ha Sung Kim. But he could certainly also be a potential leadoff hitter against a right-handed pitcher. I, I wouldn't be opposed to both. They're both guys that get on base. Uh, that's really what Trent Grisham specializes in. Jake Kernworth is really a guy who hits the ball a little harder, uh, more extra base hits than Grisham. Both guys, fascinating. I mean, Grisham showed more home run power than Kernworth did, but both guys I expect to be significant contributors to the batting line, whether it's at the bottom, seven or eight, or at top and number one, because it's pretty locked up from, I'd say, two to six with Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, and Pham. It's pretty locked up right there. And that's a really good lineup. It's really good. And that it's something that Padres fans need to not take for granted because it's going to be awesome. 
Who would you say we're against a uh, lefty starting pitcher? Who would you want to see bat lead off between? I mean, obviously you could go to T set with the righty, stay with Grisham as a lefty, um, or uh, Tommy Pham number um, as a righty hitter, of course. Who would you like to see bat lead off against lefty pitchers? I think Tommy Pham's a good candidate for that. He's really a guy who specializes in getting on base, draws a lot of walks, really patient hitter. Tatis, I also wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, Jorge Mateo, if he ends up showing up strong in spring, ends up playing a little bit of outfield, he could certainly be a guy that could bat lead off because we know the speed. We know that his bat is obviously still working on development, but he was another guy that stayed on the Padres. He doesn't have any options, so he's either going to be on the major league roster for the Padres, traded elsewhere, or he's going to be designated for an assignment, and I'd assume someone will pick him up because he's a talented player. So it, the the leadoff situation against the lefty is tougher. I'd assume that they'll just move up Tatis and then move Grisham all the way down to the bottom of the order. Then you have Cronenworth, or then you have Kim at the seven spot, and then Nola, or sorry, you have uh, you have Kim at the six spot, and then you have Nola and then Grisham down eight. Because I, I forget, is at the moment there's no DH in the National League, which. Uh, Another thing that frustrated a lot of Potters fans when 97.3 the fan, they've got someone there at spring training was taking videos of the Potters hitters, Potters pitchers practicing bunting, and that was certainly infuriating. What did you What did you react? How did you react when you saw that video? Yeah, I mean, I just really wish we had a DH. I mean, of course, I, I want to see them practice bunting because I know people say like, let the pitchers rake. I want to see our pitchers bunt as much as possible. If we get a guy on base. Get it, just get move the guy over. It's all about small ball. We don't need a huge home run all the time. Um, but I just really wish we had a DH this year. We'll get to this in a moment. But we, just our team, could have so many guys who could DH. Jerks and Profar is one guy. Um, and we'll get to him in a sec. I would lo- love to talk about him. But I just, that, I mean, that video, of course, I want to see them bunting. I want to see them practice bunting. But it's just, I just don't see why why the NL can't have a DH the Padres of any team, the NL would need one a lot more than the others. Um, and we have guys who could, we have a deep bench and that's how you win games with depth like this. Uh, just how it is in all sports tech in all sports depth helps you win games and the Padres bench is phenomenal. And I'm excited to see how they do this year. We have a, a pretty clogged lineup, pretty clogged infield, of course, in outfield, there's a lot of guys who can move around some guys who are set, but so DH would change the entire story for the Padres this year, as along with all of the NL teams. I agree that they need to bring us the DH, and it's frustrating. I still am holding out hope because, as we all remember, last year they added the expanded playoffs the day that the MLB season started with the two games, Dodgers-Giants and Yankees-Nationals. So the MLB and the Players Association are still talking they can do things at the buzzer. So I'm still holding out. It would certainly be really bad for those two sides to come to an agreement on that when teams have already formed their roster and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, DH. And that, that would just be really weird. But it can't happen is what I'm trying to say. And I wouldn't be too shocked if that's what does happen. But I just want to talk about Drugs and Profile for a sec. Uh, he's one guy who, of course, was a free agent. He had a phenomenal end of the last season. And he started at second base, moved to left field for as almost every everyday left fielder uh, for fam. And he's a great guy, he's a switch hitter, and he's a great guy to have in the dugout. And he could have gotten paid more somewhere else. 
And he knew that coming back to San Diego, the second base spot especially was full with Cronenworth and Kim. If Profard does make an appearance, uh, I could see him uh, against um, against righty pitchers, uh, which not all the time, but he could, uh, as a switch hitter, he could take um, – Sorry, he could take fam spots in left field, but he's one guy who I respect so much for coming back to San Diego, taking less money than he could have somewhere else because he as well wants to build a culture, be on a winning team like this, even if he's giving up some innings. He's one guy who I expect to see still a lot this season coming off the bench as a platoon guy, and I just, I'm very glad he's back in San Diego. Yeah, and he's another one of those guys that I think is going to be a really interesting watch in spring training because coming in last year, no one really knew what to expect. He'd had a very shaky past. Those who know me in private know that I was not a big fan of bringing him in. And he proved me and a lot of the other doubters wrong. And it was, I, I mean, like, I wasn't going to say, like, I want him to fail because obviously he's a player for our team. But I was very uh, pessimistic about what his future held. And he was so good last year. But now... It's not really a role for him. Uh, he came in with the competition at second base. And then, of course, now this year, it seems like he's not going to play a ton of second base, although that certainly is a possibility. He's going to be that utility guy. I think he knows that coming in, so it's not going to drown on him too much. But how many games is he going to find where he's starting in spring training? Obviously, he could be just alternating games with Tommy Pham on left field. But how is he going to play defensively if he does end up playing multiple positions in spring training? How is he going to hit with probably not a ton of playing time as well? So I, I agree. He certainly earned the money that he got paid, but his role with this team is going to be really fascinating. And we'll see how that ends up coming out. Yeah. Just looking at profile splits against lefty and righties. Uh, he actually does better against lefty pitchers against lefty pitchers from the right side of the plate. Of course, his, his OPS is actually better against righties, which bodes well for him against ready pitchers. Yeah. I just want to, Take a look there at his splits and see how he does compared uh, on each side of the plate as a switch hitter. That's a huge guy to have. A switch hitter off the bench is huge. Obviously, we did have one of our switch hitters off the bench. Mejia is obviously now gone. But, uh, of course, I'd much rather have Profar, and he's a great guy to have on the bench. And, again, I'm just very happy that he's back in San Diego. Yeah, he's fascinating. Everyone knew that he was a better right-handed hitter than he was a left-handed hitter. But when he's that left-handed hitter, he's really good at fouling pitches off and trying to draw walks and get on base. He's a fascinating at-bat to watch because a lot of what he does, even when he gets out and when he just strikes out or hits a ground ball or a fly ball, the nine pitch at-bats don't show up on any of the stat sheets on any of the analytic websites. It just shows, you know, I mean, you can find stats where it shows how many pitches there are in your average at-bat, but that's not something that's totally common in used uh used in judging how good a player is so uh it's really a quality that he has that not a lot of other players have and it doesn't really show up so now uh anything else you want to talk about um just again how i end a lot of these but just we're getting closer to padres baseball hopefully we'll be out there um i'm pre watching some spring training games and i just can't wait to see these padres play again and I've, again, I've said this a lot. We all are never been more excited to be a Padres fan in my entire life. So it's almost, it's almost time to see our boys back on the field in the Brown. So go Padres. Yep. I, I, I can't wait. I'm counting days. I mean, I hope to be at the game on Sunday. That is the first game against the Mariners. And that, that would be awesome. I was at the first game 
of Potter spring training last year. Hopefully I can make that again this year because I mean, and basically my memory of Padres seasons, the only time I've ever been to the Padres spring training debut was the season they made the playoffs. So hopefully uh, I can make it and then keep that trend going because that would certainly be fascinating. Uh, all right. Next time Bobby and I come back to you, hopefully we'll have a guest. Fortunately, we, we couldn't get our guest on this podcast today. It just ended up not working out. And then hopefully we'll have some games to talk about depending on when we do record it. But on behalf of Bobby Murphy, this is Dominic Stern. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at DMSTern19 and follow Bobby at BobbyMurphy2000 on Twitter to see all of our content. This is an East Village Times podcast. So make sure to check out our content at eastvillagetimes.com. Follow us on Twitter at EVT underscore news to see whenever we post our articles, uh, posting a lot of good content. And as Padres season gets closer, you know it's going to be more Padres oriented. Uh, Bobby and I were both on the SDSU coverage team, so we both do stuff about that. But that's going to wrap it up. We thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you at sometime next week, and we'll have Padres games.